Gridiron, uncensored, kicking it with the grid with the guys. We got Trevor, Blake, myself, Brendan. Uh, what a weekend we had in college sports, college football. Epic weekend. We had some big games. We had some blowouts, namely of one program that we all expected to happen to. It's a game of inches in other places, and counting is very hard for some teams. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we will dive into that one later. Uh some people should definitely be ashamed of the coaches that they have on their teams right now. Uh, but right now, we're going to give you guys breakdowns. We're going to give you our reactions. Top 25 poll came out today, uh, as it usually does. So we're going to break down that and also kind of talk about our own top 25 that the guys and I put out uh, every Sunday before the AP does. And just kind of we bounce it off the AP just to see what, you know, our thoughts are comparative and uh, – and why the APs okay, but most of the time they're wrong. I just they I, I don't like the way they do it, uh, especially when you look at the full on voting of whoever these you know journalists are. It's trash. So we're gonna get into that later. Uh, but first up, I, I always like to do the the movers and the user the losers. You know that we kind of talk about who's who's going up the poll, who's going down. And first up. Washington State's the, the biggest mover so far of the week, and they just definitely deserve it because they had a really good win against Oregon State. They moved up five places. Uh, Florida, they moved up three p- spots in the poll. I, I wouldn't call them, you know, a, a mover based on their own merits. You know, they only beat Charlotte by a little bit, but I mean, you know, they're doing their thing. They're moving up. They're getting wins. Fresno State, just because they're into the top twenty-five now. So I'm happy to see them up there after being 4-0. And then Ohio State jumped into the top four. I know it's only a two-spot move, but they did get a big win this weekend. Uh, losers, though, USC, they they dropped back three spots. And, again, they won their games, but it's you got other teams around them that are looking better. Washington, Penn State, Florida State doing stuff that they need to do. Ohio State, obviously. So – I wouldn't get too hung up on, you know, who's where right now. I, I we're, Everybody's just, you know, jostling for positions. Uh, another loser, Notre Dame, they drop, you know, they drop back two spots in the poll. It, I wouldn't really classify them too much as a loser, but they blew themselves on that one. And then uh, <laughs> Ole Miss, man, they, they dropped back five positions after a game that they probably should have won. And then Colorado, they're gone. See you later. They, they're another one. Fraud alert. We called it. It happened. And then UCLA, they're gone. They're out of the top 25. Even though they had a really tight game with a good Utah team, they just could not get it going on offense. And, uh, I mean, they lost by, they lost by a touchdown because their, their running game was atrocious. We'll get into that later, too. Guys, any thoughts on, initial movers and losers, and then we'll get to talking about uh, top 25 and, you know, rankings and all that crap. Because this is when it starts really getting into the nitpicky territory of, you know, who's in the top 10 and really that back half of the top 25. My biggest thoughts are is Colorado's out, Iowa's out, and I'm happy about both of them being out. I, I, <laughs> I really am. Iowa showed us who they, who they really are against Penn State. They just don't – they can't hang with the top tier – in the Big Ten, and Colorado definitely showed us what we all pretty much anticipated happening, even though 
people in social on the social media world they're like oh my gosh i can't believe that got blown out by oregon or flip side of that coin people were saying oh colorado's gonna surprise oregon there was no surprising oregon <laughs> they got they got taken to the smoke show um and as far as that my kansas jayhawks my wild card <laughs> my dark horse is finally in the top 25 i'm happy about that um i thought florida should have been higher I thought Tennessee should have been lower. And, I mean, I was – me personally, I mean, I had Wazoo just about in that area. I thought Alabama should be a little higher than what they are, but I understand why they're not because of Utah and Utah and Notre Dame being ahead of them. It's hard to make a case that just because you beat Ole Miss that you jump, jumped Notre Dame who just had a close game in Utah who had a an amazing, amazing defensive game. Uh played by their defense between the linebackers and secondary. They all played amazing and kept their, their entire team in that game up until, up until when they took the lead. So that's rundown for me. As far as the top 10 goes, I, I mean, it's pretty much what I expected it to be for the most part. Um, it's, there's no shockers to me in the top 10, maybe Ohio state being above being in the top four. That's probably the only one <laughs> that, uh, that kind of surprises me, even though I'm pretty sure in my picks, I, I or my uh, top 25, I had them in the top four. It's still surprising that the AP agrees with me uh, or agree, agreed with that um, and jumping them over uh, Florida State, which is – I don't agree with that. I think Florida State deserves to be in the top four. Just, just like Georgia deserves to be number one. Michigan deserves to be number two until they don't, meaning until they lose. Brendan, would you mind? I want you to go into your kitchen and get all of your spoons, and I would like you to bring them to the camera and show me the bottom of each spoon because I think you're smoking some shit if you think that Alabama should have lost that game to Ole Miss. (laughs) Hey, listen – Ole Miss had opportunity after opportunity to start that game, and they couldn't do it. And I, we'll get into it when we break down the game. But okay. you look at it, they had ample amount of time to get a lead on Alabama and even you know, maybe put it away. But Bama's defense is good, like we've been saying. So I credit Bama's defense, but also discredit Ole Miss offense because they, they just couldn't, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do but, anything. The same could be said for Alabama's offense because Milrow, blind Milrow, <laughs> all no eyes, missed two wide open receivers with nobody around them for touchdowns. Didn't see them, couldn't see them. It was well, that's bad. That's par for the course now, though. We we know yeah, what to expect. Exactly. Exactly. They'll hit one a game, and then you know exactly. But so, anyways, aside from, aside from that and your drug use, I would say <laughs> I was okay with, with the AP poll outside of moving Florida State out of the top four. They still have, even though they have the ugly wins, they are still wins. And to an extent, I understand punishing teams for bad play, but it is different when it is on the road in a hostile environment and you still squeak out with a win. 
the Ohio State situation is a little different in my eyes based on Notre Dame outplayed them in every facet of the game. And not many games can you say you lost a game in the last 10 seconds, but Notre Dame lost this game in the last 10 seconds. They they gave up the third and 19, and then two plays in a row after a timeout, 10 men on the field. Come on. But aside from that, top 25 didn't look too bad. I'm, I'm with Trevor. Tennessee, probably lower. I would have personally moved Kentucky in or even Texas A&M into the top 25. Tennessee, it's hard to kick them out, but there's just so many teams right there in the 25 to 35 range mm-hmm. that have a case to make it into the top 25, but they can't all fit, obviously. Yeah, and that's where we'll we'll get to talking about how our picks and you know our ranking system and you know obviously the, I feel like the AP poll is just people throwing guesses at a wall, especially when you look at the voter list. Because that, that usually gets published late on Sunday. And you can see all, however many voters are in the AP poll. And you'll have, you know, a bunch, you know, Georgia, Michigan are pretty consistent. You know, that's how you get your average of where these guys land. But then you'll have outliers where it's like, you know, Michigan at 10, uh, you know, but Georgia's still at one. Uh, Colorado's still in somehow. They're getting votes. They're not watching the games. They're, it's like they're, they're just throwing you know stuff at a wall trying to hope it sticks. So when we try to set up ours and we, we post our top 25, uh, each one of us goes through and we discuss it and we, we post our stuff Sunday morning. My, my method is it's a mix, like, especially early, you know, you get the preseason poll and you kind of just go off that. I think we're, it's ingrained in us, uh, you know, to go off the AP preseason poll. Nobody looks at the coaches poll. Let's just clear that up. The coaches poll is straight trash. Uh, but when you look at the AP preseason poll, it's a mix of recruiting, return talent, somewhat how they did last year. Uh, but it's it's all a guess. And really the first couple of weeks, we're guessing too. Uh, so I go a lot off of, you know, the, what the preseason poll was and, and moving these teams but then I test too. Now we're getting into it. Resume is really starting to build and it's going to keep building. So you got to have, to me, it's resume is so important, but I test matters too. So that's why on this one, I put Florida state at number one, because I think they have the two best wins in college football. Uh, Clemson, I know they're two and two, but this is a good team. And they did lose to Duke, even though, Clemson really blew that game for themselves. They should have won that game. And Duke had opportunities to win it too, uh, or even make it a wider margin. But but Clemson screwed themselves in that game. Still, they lost it. It is what it is. But they're a good team. They just took Florida State to the wire. Honestly, probably should have won it, but Florida State found a way to win. And good teams find a way to win. So you got Clemson, who I think down the line, they're probably still going to be a 10-win team. Georgia, which I just realized I spelled their name wrong <laughs> on my on my list, but you know it is what it is. Uh, Georgia is a good team. We know they're complete. I still have questions about Carson Beck, but they haven't played anybody of note. South Carolina, yeah, they're not bad. Yes, they're an SEC team, whatever. But we've seen what their offensive line is. So I'm getting to that point where I can't keep 
in good conscience, if you want to call. I know it's an a, it's a poll, but I can't keep putting them up there just because of what they've done the last two years. It doesn't matter this year to me. Michigan's is in the same boat. Yeah, they're they're killing. The, they've done great the last two years, but their only good team that they've played is Rutgers. But they look good. They've got the complete feel to it. So I can't punish them. Otherwise, Georgia and you know Michigan would be back. Maybe not even in the top twenty-five. Maybe right on twenty, you know, to twenty-five range. In in my opinion. Uh, but when you look at you know the eye test and their resume, that's why I had to put Florida State one. Ohio State's jumping up in there because they had a good win against Notre Dame over the, even though it was Notre Dame's fault that they they lost it. Uh, Texas has a good win against Alabama. Penn State's just blew out Iowa. Washington, I think, is the most complete team that we've seen, but their schedule doesn't align right now. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. They could be higher, but then these other guys ahead of them have better wins. So I don't know. It's it's tough right now, but it all sorts itself out. Guys, what are, what are your takes on on the ranking systems? And I know you had some quarrels with me on Florida State at one. Yeah, just I go back to your drug use. Um, Florida State at one is just that's that's like crackhead shit. That's smoking dope. I just can't put them there, man. I understand about the whole not taking into consideration a team the year before because it is a different team, and I do get that. But it does factor in when, and I can say this as an Alabama fan, I know it's hard for you to say it as a Michigan fan because it hasn't really happened um, where you could be at an age to experience it. But as an Alabama fan, you get everybody's best shot week in and week out because everybody wants to say they took down Alabama. Same thing with Georgia being undefeated for two, well, not undefeated, but winning two back-to-back national titles. And you're going to get everybody's best shot, even if it's Georgia Southern, South Carolina, whatever. And they did get South Carolina's best shot, but like you said, good teams find a way to win. They did settle down and they dominated the second half of the game and they took it. And I just feel as a number one team, especially a number one team that has held that spot for two straight seasons, that's your throne to lose. And it shouldn't be lost unless you lose it. It would be a different story if they were struggling with these small teams like Austin P and, you know, Chattanooga, whoever else they played but they're not struggling with them. They're dominating the games. And it is a, it's a cupcake schedule. There's no denying that. But they're doing what they're supposed to do with it and taking care of the business side of it. So it, I would probably have a different tune if they was winning, you know, 21-17 to 17 against Charlotte and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I would probably bump them down to two. But that's why I've got Florida State at two because I do think they – you know, they should get recognition for the schedule. I agree with you about Clemson. I still think they're a good team. And they beat LSU, and they beat LSU convincingly in the second half, really showed it. But they've also struggled with Boston College, but it was on the road, and I take that into consideration too. But I just can't jump them over Georgia, who has – they're going to get everybody's best shot, and they always find a way to pull it out in the end. I hear both of your points loud and clear. There's no way in God's green earth that I would ever put 
FSU over Michigan or Georgia at this point. And here's my re- here's my reasoning behind saying that is that regardless of strength of schedule, as of right now, if I was to tell you that we have a thirteen and zero Georgia, thirteen and zero Michigan, and we say that FSU or Washington has a tough schedule, but they have one loss, they're twelve and one. Do you unseat Georgia or Michigan? I would say you won't. You wouldn't at that point. Record takes into account regardless of you who you play. If you if you're able to run the table, I I I can honestly say that if Alabama was at thirteen and zero, and say for example, we'll say Notre Dame for example was twelve and one, they would never, no AP poll, no coaches poll, no nothing, would unseat Alabama from a number one spot or any. Number one team that had the number one team, number one spot that 13 was 13 and 0 would never be unseated by a 12 and 12 and 1 team just because of strength of schedule. My only argument to that is is, uh, as long as Georgia keeps winning, they're my number one team. Okay, let me uh, let me clarify convincingly wins and doesn't look like a bag bag of ass. That that's my only that, that's my only point to that. Um, and as far as Ohio State being in a top four team, I just don't see that. I think they're five. I don't think they're four. Even though I have them at four, thinking about it as I am now, I honestly think Washington probably should have jumped everybody. Personally, they should have jumped. They probably should have jumped Texas, and they probably should have jumped OSU, probably USC as well. I like you guys have both said. I think Washington is probably the most complete team in the in NCAA right now. That includes Georgia. I think Washington would give Georgia a run for their money right as if they played tomorrow. But that's where I sit with most of this top twenty five. And I would also like to say, and I've said it to y'all in our chat and off the camera and stuff, but the top four, it really doesn't matter as long as you're in it really doesn't matter you don't get any benefit from being number one or number four it it really doesn't matter just bragging rights throughout the season is really the only purpose of the number one team because it really doesn't matter it's a four-team playoff as long as you're in that top four spot you're in the playoffs so I agree with you. Uh, obviously, on the on the fourteen playoff thing, yeah. As long as you're in, it doesn't matter. But it's that right now. It's you know it's always the battle of four and five, and that comes down to strength of schedule and you know eye tests and all this other crap that the committee comes up with. And remember, TCU got screwed out of going to the first playoff when Ohio State, yeah, they blew the brakes off Wisconsin. But I'm pretty sure that memory serves me right. TCU is undefeated and got jumped by a one-loss Ohio State team into the playoff. Yeah, Ohio State went on to win the national title, but TCU never got a chance. So when it comes down to, you know, strength of schedule, strength of record, you know, eye test, I think it does matter. And now as we move forward, we're going to have a 12-team playoff, and it's probably going to change, you know, how they do, you know, if they do conference – you know, auto qualifications, all that stuff based on this new conference realignment we have. Uh, but just looking at, 
you know, the strength of record, strength of schedule, obviously it's going to change. It's going to continue to change. Top 25 wins are going to change as teams lose and as teams win. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like the, the group that uses the strength of strength of uh, record where, um, let's see who dropped out. Oh, well, Iowa was a top 25 team when Iowa just beat them or when Penn state just beat them. Penn state should not be able to call that a top 25 win. Maybe in the, the, like the long stats book, like, Oh, James Franklin's, you know, historically, you know, five and 10 against top 25 team. Like, okay. Yeah. But when we're talking rankings and where you're, where you're set, that, that should not count. Cause I've heard that argument from people too, where people say, Oh yeah, well, you know, Kentucky finished with seven, you know, top 25 wins. No, they didn't. They, half these guys finished, you know, outside the top 25 at the end of the season. So it's fluid to me. Go ahead, Blake. A really good really? example of that would be Texas A&M when they're preseason, like number six, and then finish five and seven. If You know, every person that beat them, all seven teams that beat them could not say, well, we beat a ranked – we beat a top five, top ten Texas A&M team. No, you didn't. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you, and I think that's something at the the time you can use that because yeah, it's all per, you know projected, and so at the time that's why I say it's fluid. Yeah, so say so and so beats so and so that, but they're number seven preseason. Immediately they're like, okay, this team might be really good, so I'm a, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt until the other team that they beat shows me that they're actually fraudulent, and then you know we'll we'll go from there. That's why I like the fluidity of, of rankings and. Instead of it being so just, well, it's cut and paste. This team lost to, you know, Team 25, so they can only drop back, you know, four places. And then, you know, they're both 2-1 and one, or 2-0 and oh and 2-1, and one, I don't know. And uh, like Florida being ranked – or Tennessee being ranked over Florida, that shouldn't happen right now. As they go down the line, maybe. Uh, or, or like, let's see, Notre Dame being ranked over Ohio State. Yeah, Notre Dame looked a lot better than Ohio State did, but Ohio State came out with the win. So I don't know. We this this is a conversation that you can have in damn near every every week, uh, and we will because that's just what we do in football. We argue about rankings and <laughs> where teams end up. But just giving you guys our opinions on the rankings and and why we did it. Trevor, you got something, buddy? Yeah, I just wanted to touch ba- touch on what you said just a f- just a second ago about about teams that fall out of the top 25 and teams saying, oh, well, they were top 25 when we played them or whatever. The the flip side of that coin is that teams at the end of the year say, look at all these teams that ended up in the top 25 that we beat that weren't in the top 25 at the time when we played them. So it kind of goes both ways because at the end of the year, I know Ohio State loves to do this. They like, look at all these top 25 teams we played when they just before the Michigan week. Like, look at all, look at how good we are and look at how bad we get beat. I, I just hate the top 25 for most reasons. Most of the reasons I just said, because people use them to kind of jockey themselves into position to where they've the national championship last year was a really good example of why the top 25 is a failure. (laughs) Uh, TCU got curb stomped, uh, by Georgia and they didn't belong. They won. Granted, they won. 
hundred percent they won, but they showed that they did not belong in that national championship game. But that's just me. So I disagree. I think Blake is going to disagree too. I don't know. Go ahead. That's one of those situations where TCU, they did earn their way into that position, but they lost to Kansas State, did they not, mm-hmm. in in the championship game. That should have negated them, in my opinion, from going to the national championship. 100% agree. They, I'm a big believer in you should have to win your conference to be as a qualifier to even be in a playoff. But the way that college football designed this playoff was, I think it was an appeasement just to get people like shut up. Okay, here's a playoff. And they just kind of came up with something without Mm -hmm. thinking through every scenario. Because there have been a lot of cases since, what, 2014, 2013? And there's a lot of arguments about the whole four and five spot because there for a while it was the same five or six teams every single year, Bama, Mm -hmm. Clemson, Michigan State, Ohio State, Oklahoma. It was just some variation of those five or six teams and people were getting frustrated with it. And now you've got the transfer portal, you got NIL, you've got smaller teams like TCU that are able to get these top athletes that doesn't mean they're always able to compete, though, because at the end of the day, the big schools like your Oklahoma's, Ohio State's, Alabama's, they still get the biggest and best of the best. And in most cases, they're still going to dominate the little guy. Mm-hmm. But you've always got your outliers like Boise State that shocked Oklahoma, Appalachian State that shocked Texas A&M, Appalachian State that shocked Michigan, UL Monroe beat Alabama. There, I'll even it out for you so y'all don't cry. Thank you. you know, big teams lose to little teams. It happens. But there's a difference in shakeups like that and then going through an entire season and putting a team like TCU against Georgia where I don't think there was a single person on the face of this earth outside of the state of Texas that thought TCU had a chance in that game. And I'm pretty sure the state of Texas was still saying that they weren't going to beat Georgia. For yeah. sure. And it, even Michigan should have beaten TCU, but they play the game. They, they screwed themselves again, and TCU won it. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I, I like the conference championship thing. I think moving forward, that's what's going to be a part of the 12-team playoff is there's going to be auto qualifiers for, for conference championship uh, winners, and then there's going to be the, the auto bids uh, for the at-large. I, I can't call them auto bids, excuse me, but the at-large bids. Uh, I think group of five, group five uh, schools are going to get a, a single bid too for the best team. Right now, it's looking like it'd be like a Fresno State getting in. Um, but it all depends on the end of the, the season and if they get into a, a certain range of of rankings that they're even qualified. But I don't know. I, I always like the talk of the top 25. I think it's fun. It's a good discussion. Everybody's got different, different opinions on it. Um, I've already been told that I'm <laughs> severely wrong by many people, um, and that's fine. I don't mind it because uh, in my mind I'm right and you're all wrong. So <laughs> I, it is what it is, guys. But, hey, good conversation. We're going to roll into the games now because I'm, 
I'm just I was so pumped to watch this whole this whole weekend. My son's game was <laughs> was earlier this weekend, so I got to get home uh, get home and watch from the starting kickoff. I wasn't late. And uh, yeah, we've got maybe some new listeners. A, a friend of ours, uh, Shane Jewell, he 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 says I'm an idiot because I didn't rank tw- <laughs> Tennessee in there. So I hope he doesn't listen to our first couple of episodes about Tennessee because uh, <laughs> he might never listen again. Uh, but going back into top top five games of the week that we broke down, first one, we're just going to get it out of the way. And guys, I Trevor, I. I know you were you were kind of you know in there. You're about about Colorado early. We loved what they were doing, but you also said they're it's not going to happen. It's not happening, and it sure as hell didn't. Oregon went in and smoked them, forty two to six. I think they only had like twenty eight yards at halftime. Oh, uh, Colorado did. I'm mean, just absolutely embarrassing. Uh, Colorado again. We knew this was their first real test after again that we kind of. When we first looked at the season, we saw a TCU game. We saw Nebraska, Colorado State. You know, that we were like, okay, maybe they'll go one and five to start the season. They had a Cinderella start. They they shocked TCU because TCU had no idea who the hell they were. Nebraska, we found out they're they're fraudulent. Well, I mean, they got rid of Jeff Sims, so maybe they're better now. I don't know. <laughs> um <laughs> Michigan's going to find out this weekend because Michigan plays Notre Dame, or excuse me, Nebraska. But now that we've seen over the weeks what they are, Oregon also got to see what they were, and they exposed the hell out of them. They had Colorado had no chance this week. Oregon was on a mission. Dan Lane he he called him out. He was talking trash in the you know in the pregame, and he backed it up. And Oregon, they came out, they had 280 passing and 240 for rushing. I mean, just a complete game all around. Guys, what what are your takes on this one? Well, you're right. Um, I'm all, I've been off the Colorado bandwagon uh, since, <laughs> since that Colorado State performance. Let's just be real. Everything about that Colorado State game turned me off of, to, to Colorado. Um uh, I, I applaud them for what they've accomplished up to this point. But the season really hasn't started until you played Oregon, and now you know where you sit as far as the Pac-12 goes. And I'm sorry to say this, Colorado fans, you can expect more of the same co- in the coming weeks because you guys got to handle – now you have to – you go from Oregon, now you got to go handle USC. So it, it's not going to get any easier going forward. In Oregon State, Washington State – they all look like they're they're going to be tough games altogether, but Colorado wasn't even sniffing anything. I I don't even think they scored any points till the third quarter. I'm not. I'm might even be later than that to be honest with you. I, I kind of stopped watching. Okay, yeah, thank you, Blake. Fourth quarter, <clears throat> uh, but I stopped watching uh, about the third quarter, halfway through the third quarter, and watched the game that was actually worth watching. Uh, props to Oregon. Love the Oregon coach throwing a shot over the bow at at <laughs> at uh, Coach Prime, and that they're hunting for wins. But or he's hunting for wins; they're hunting for clicks. I don't disagree with that statement either. Uh, so, but yeah, all in all, great game by Oregon. Pretty much expect we, what we expected them to come out and do. Bo Nix had an excellent game. Uh, uh, he. You know, he had that one interception, but outside of that, um, he had a, fan, a 
prior to the interception, he I think he was at a oh gosh, what was it? Eight sorry, uh eighty I think he's eighty five percent completion. Uh so he he was rocking it. So yeah. Oregon's gonna be a tough 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 win for anybody that meets him this year for sure. If I had to compare Colorado to an object, I would compare them to a, a car windshield because the ducks just rain shit down upon Colorado. Bo Nix, I give him props. He played an, a great game, but you've got to give it up to that Oregon defense. That defensive line, they had Sanders so shook, he had no idea what to do. You could see it in his face after each uh, series. He was going to the sidelines when he'd take his helmet off. He looked so lost and so confused because he had not seen speed like that yet. And, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was so fun to watch. I love watching teams where they explode off the line and just make plays in the backfield and putting pressure like that on a team, you know, Props to Oregon. That was that was a lots out game that they played Saturday. Yeah, speaking to their defense, they had seven sacks and seven tackles for loss. <laughs> but I'll say Shador still dealing with that. Managed a, a decent game for him. I mean, no interceptions. Yeah, he got sacked a crap done, but he survived, and you know he still threw a, a touchdown pass somehow. So yeah, um, he, he's still I, a good quarterback. He, but the team's got problems around him. You know, I applaud I'm, you for trying to be positive for Shadur hey. Sanders. I applaud you for throwing him a bone. I tried the to guy, do right The guy was, like Blake said, super confused. And just so everyone's aware, this is the difference between Jackson State and real Division One football. Just so everyone's aware. Just oh. so everyone's aware, there is a big difference between playing for Colorado and against Oregon as opposed to Jackson State and whoever the hell they play. I don't even know. But I know I know that they came out and said, there's not much difference between where we were playing at Jackson State to now. There's no real difference. That's incorrect. Yeah. <clears throat> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I'll probably get canceled for that one, but whatever. I don't care. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there are, this isn't even a live show, and they're already coming for you, buddy. Trust me. The NSA, they heard it. You're you're done for. We might have to remove you from the show uh, to save our own selves here. But uh, Blake, uh, if they get a hold of any of our chats, we're screwed. But either way, we're going to carry on and uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the next one. And this one was really good. <laughs> number fourteen Beavers, man, the Oregon State Beavers at number twenty one Wazoo. The game ended up thirty eight thirty five. Wazoo getting the dub. And really, this one came down to Washington State getting blown up in the fourth quarter. Oregon State made a huge push, but they just was not enough. But I'll tell you, this guy, and somebody that should be on everybody's radar, and I definitely think in the Heisman talks, I know we talked about Shador Sanders, you know, and even Travis Hunter, which I think they deserved the talk at the time. Right now, not so much, obviously, but this gentleman, Cam Ward, this dude is a beast, and you guys need to watch out for him. Uh, Blake, I'm sure we'll talk more on him because he's a huge fan, 
But this was a, a huge test for both teams. You know, we we're kind of filling out who this Pac-12 is. We know that they all have talent. They've got good quarterback play. Uh, but getting to see them square up, well, you can call them the Pac-2, and this was a Pac-2 championship. Uh, they went right at it, man. They, and it was a dogfight till the end. Uh, sorry, Mike Vick, I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> Washington State, though, huge first three quarters of the game. They they killed it. I thought it was. I thought they were going to walk away with it, honestly. But the Beavs made that late push. They had a run game going. They had a pass game going. Started clicking. Uh, at, even though old Uyangalele, he had some some rough passes out there. Not too shabby, you know. All in all, uh, guys, what are your takes on this one? I, I loved watching it. It was fun. I just want to point out that. You both picked against Washington State. Both times we've had them. I tried to tell y'all. But in reality, I never thought the day would come where we would be talking about Oregon State and Washington State being at the top of a conference. It just doesn't seem like it's a real thing happening. And before I get into Washington State, I just want to point out, me and Trevor was talking about this before you hopped on, Brendan, the the quarterbacks in the Pac-12, I have never seen such a quarterback-heavy conference that I can recall in recent history. I mean, you've got Michael Penix, Cam Ward. You've got Caleb Williams, Cam Rising. Though he hasn't played yet this year, he's still – we all know what, he, what he's capable of. Then you've got Bo Nix, and I'd even put – Ugalele in there as a solid quarterback. He's obviously not the level that the others are, but it's yeah. a very that's a dynamic lineup of quarterbacks for one conference to have, and they all are going to play each other at some point. So that's a lot of good football we've got coming up. But going back to the Washington State game, yeah, I mean I can't say enough about Cam Ward. He is he's been a just. I don't even know a word to describe him. He's He is their team. He puts the team on his back. He distributes the ball well, and he's not a selfish player. He doesn't make it about him, and I think that's one of the reasons people haven't really heard of him is because he doesn't really do the whole, you know, Johnny Menzel, Caleb Williams type attitude. He's just a very humble guy from what I can tell, and, you know, he just leaves everything on the field. But, yeah, that was a, a solid game. I knew to pick them just based on Ugalele the last two games. I, I did get to watch a little bit of them against San Diego State, and he looked a little froggy in that game. I think he ended up throwing two picks. But he threw some ugly passes in that game that reminded me of his Clemson days. And it just made me think, um Maybe Oregon State's not as good. What what helps them is that running game and being balanced. Mm-hmm. And he does just enough as a quarterback, more of a game manager, top quarterback. But then their defense on the season had been getting it done for them and getting stops. And Oregon State was just putting up enough points to get by. But Washington State, you know, second late second half, they did. I got kind of worried there for a minute. Because they didn't look like the same team that was on the field in the first half. 
but they did find a way to stay on top of it and keep Oregon State out of the end zone. But that was probably a game of the weekend, aside from Notre Dame. But that one just didn't end how I wanted it to. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Mad respect for Cam Ward. There's, I, I, for those of you who have not seen him play, if you did not watch the Oregon Oregon State Washington State game, go back and watch a few of the highlights. It's pretty quite. It's he's he's a one man highlight show. And like Blake's alluded to, he's unselfish. These guys run wildcat. He stays in the he stays in on the offense as a wideout, just to throw a little wrinkle in there. But he doesn't care about giving the ball up to. I, I think he's the backup quarterback. I'm assuming he's the backup quarterback who also can run. He's like a he's like a Washington's Washington State's version of Tim Tebow, I guess you could say. Um, and. I was impressed. I watched most of that game or flipped back and forth between that game and a few others. But, yeah, they, they played good. I think the key to the whole game was how how Washington State came out and just balled out that first quarter, just got up on them and hit them right in the, right in the mouth, right in the teeth. And I, I think from that point on, Oregon State was playing stress uh, a completely stressed-out game where they were trying to make up ground because their defense wasn't getting the stops that they needed to get to get the the ball so they could control the clock. To my knowledge, and I find it quite ironic, actually, that the Pac-12 is by far has the best quarterback play in the country, hands down. I find it ironic that all the teams that – the two teams that we're talking about have Cam Ward, who's staying in the Pac-2, and – Ugulele, who's also staying in the Pac-2, but the rest of these elite quarterbacks, they will be in other conference. Well, assuming they don't go to the pro. But, I mean, all these teams that we're watching that have these awesome quarterbacks will not be in the Pac-12. It's uh, it's an interesting dynamic, and I hope everyone's enjoying this dynamic right now this year because it is the last year for everything. I know we said it for the very first episode to just enjoy the season. Um, and enjoy the way everything is is because next season everything is changing. So um, enjoy this stuff because it's it's not going to happen ever again. Yeah, and I'll say uh, too just to pull up his stats on it. Uh, Ward he was four hundred four passing yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, he had a fumble, uh, but I mean that, it's going to happen. You know he's running a lot. Uh, DJ. I said his game wasn't bad, but it, like Blake alluded to, it's not. He he's not going to be a world beater. He's going to do what he needs to do to keep your team in it. But even the really the only reason that Oregon State was in it was because the two two turnovers that they got that that helped them get back into the game. Uh, but DJ he was seventeen of thirty four for one ninety eight. So I mean that's that's really not good. He had some good passes, but a lot were off the mark. Uh, and I'll give credit to uh, Washington State's defense as well because they they did a really good job out there playing. Uh, guys, we're going to move on to the next game and another Pac-12 out west, UCLA, number 22 UCLA at number 11 Utah. A final score, 14-7. to And this is one where I can't keep ranking Utah any higher, even though I want to, because their defense is really good. I really like their defense and how they hustle. 
without Cam Rising, they are so limited on offense. It scares me for them. I'm scared for these these people. And uh, I, I just – they've got a short week this week. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep skating by. They they bear – I mean, they did good against Florida, but I think that was a, a very, you know, ungelled Florida team that they played. They barely scraped by Baylor. Now they're barely scraping by Utah, which isn't a bad – or, excuse me, UCLA, which isn't a bad team, but they've got a freshman quarterback – and what do you do with freshman quarterbacks? You let the defense eat. And that's what they did. They they went out there. The defense scored. the, uh, I mean, they, they rushed the quarterback a lot. They got seven sacks, 11 uh, tackles for loss. So props to the, the Utah defense. We know what they are. This offense has got to find some sort of <laughs> decent movement, some, some hope without Cam Rising because – we all thought he might play this week, but I guess not. Maybe they're saving him. Maybe they thought they could win against UCLA without him. I don't know, but I'm worried for Utah. Yeah, I took a chance on UCLA based on Cam Rising not playing. I just didn't think he was going to get it to play. So I took the risk, went with UCLA, because I thought Chip Kelly would be able to put up you know, 24, 28 points, and I didn't think Utah's offense – would be able to produce that much without Cam Rising. I never would have imagined a Chip Kelly offense not getting more than 14 points. So you've got to give props to Utah's defense. But that that shocked me. That was my shock of the weekend. I just expected a lot more points out of UCLA in that game. But we're also assuming that having Cam Rising back would automatically just make Utah's offense pop. And it could, for sure, but we don't know how his injury will affect him when he does and if he does return either. And he may not – I don't know the roster of Utah. I don't know how many returning players that he played with last year are back on the field with him this year. But that's just assuming – you know, there's been quarterbacks in history go out with an injury, come back, and they're not the same, and they really struggle – but I'm I'm with you. I'm worried about them for the rest of the season because their their current path is not sustainable with 14 points in a game. When you get into the USC and Oregon, Washington, Washington State, you're going to have to score points, no matter how good your defense is, because those teams are going to put up 28, 35, 42, and you're going to have to match them. And I don't see Utah being able to put up that kind of points right now. I don't know that they could do it with Cam Rising. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Cam Rising is going to make much of a difference. They have a good defense. They really do. But I'm going to be completely honest here is I don't think UCLA is everything that people gave them credit for, I guess, because of who their coach was or whatever. But I don't think they had the athletes that, would be needed to break through a defense like Utah's where on the other hand, they, I mean, next week they get Oregon state. So we're going to find out how good the defense is because while Oregon state didn't perform very well against Washington state, I think that they have way better athletes than UCLA does overall. And I think they have a pretty decent defense. 
So that could that could come and be a factor with this with Nate Johnson being quarterback. Assuming Cam Rising is not back next week. Assuming he's not back next week, which like like Blake said, we are making the grand assumption that Cam Rising's the the savior of the Utes, but they have Oregon State next week, and then they have they get to play Cal- California, who's a shell of what they used to be way back. But and then they get into the meat, and just like Colorado, it's kind of funny how it's working out. But Colorado, they after California, they get they get USC and Oregon back to back. USC first, then Oregon next, and those are games. Assuming that they are still unblemished at that point in time will be an interesting game, a curious game for me because I'd like to see them stop a USC offense and or an Oregon offense and see how that defense matches up that way. <clears throat> yeah, and, yeah, we, we are guessing about, you know, Cam Rising. We know what he's done, but it, it is tough coming back from an injury. Will he have the, uh, you know, the continuity with his team, that chem- chemistry – I don't know. It's a big question, but you, you, like we said, Utah's defense is keeping them in these games, saving them. UCLA only had nine rushing yards. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, sack adjusted, but still, nine only nine yards. They were averaging like two yards a carry for the rest of them, so not good. Utah, they're do, they're great defense. They need to figure it out on offense with or without Cam. Next up, uh, Florida State-Clemson, another one. This is a battle of quarterbacks, back and forth. One thing about Florida State, they had no run game against Clemson. And I'm telling you, Clemson is a good team. They've got strong defensive players. Anybody, you can see that when they play. But Florida State could not get the running game going. So they had to lean on Jordan Travis, throwing the ball, and throwing it up to those wide receivers, Coleman and Wilson. And they make beautiful catches damn near every game. I mean, it's just remarkable watching those guys <laughs> catch the football. Uh, but, again, it came down to strong defense. But both teams were really bad on third downs. When you go back and look at, at the box score on it, third downs were horrible. And then quarterback play, Klubnik didn't do bad at all. He he kept – I mean, he he did really well. 25-38, 283, and a touchdown. No, he had the fumble, I believe, was it. It was that one fumble, total game changer. But uh, Jordan Travis, he was 21 of 37 for 289. So they, they were just chucking it up and uh, hoping, hoping to God somebody would come down with the ball. Uh, 31, 24 in overtime, uh, Florida State won it. But uh, I, think, I think this was a hell of a game and really a good insight into you know Florida State the rest of the season. And uh, Clemson, too, because Clemson's going to be showing around. Even though they've lost two games, yeah, I'd say they're out of playoff contention with the rest of their schedule. I don't see any way they make it back into the top four, uh, barring severe chaos ahead, <laughs> above them. Uh, but either way, guys, what, what's your takes on this one? My take would be you see Florida State, to be able to beat them, you've got to stop the run. You have to force Jordan Travis to throw, make him one-dimensional, which Clemson did fairly well at. But when you have receivers like Florida State has, he can get risky with it. 
and he did a lot, and his receivers bailed him out a lot. Keon Coleman is, I hate to say it, he's he's good. Probably one of the best receivers in the nation. And then you got a guy that's six seven, you know, a skyscraper walking around out there. It's okay. You can just chunk it up. He goes up to get it. At the very least, you're not coming down with it on the defense because he can jump up and bat it out, whatever, or just straight up overpower you, take the ball away, whatever. So Florida State did show some weaknesses, but not enough to say that they're you know, in any danger of losing the rest of the season. I still think they're a top team. They're a top four team. They'll probably get into the playoffs, but even in a loss, Clemson did show, I agree with you, they are a good football team, and me and you have both said it, even since their loss at Duke. You can see the potential there for it. I don't know if it's coaching or just the chemistry with the players. Something just isn't gelling with the team, and they just haven't figured it out yet. But if they do, and when they do, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with, and they they could be a top team. They could finish with 10 wins. I'm not sure how the ACC shapes up to give them a chance to win it with a loss to Florida State and the loss to Duke. A lot would have to happen for that to happen with them, but they are still a team to watch and a team that could ruin somebody's season easily. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, it's hard not to agree with that, to be honest with you. I mean, Clemson, as far as I'm concerned, is out of anything. And, and like you guys said, unless something catastrophic happens with UNC or with Florida State or whomever, uh, Clemson is outside looking in on just about everything that's important to a program like Clemson. I would say this about the game is that it was noticeable that without Will Shipley, Clemson sunk. They would have not had offense without Will Shipley. They would have had minimal. They would have. They would have literally looked like Oregon State at the, uh, the first half, where they just weren't really generating anything. <clears throat> Florida State, on the other hand. Has a two? They have the twin towers uh, on either end, <laughs> the six, seven, and six, four, four. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> uh, those guys are game changers. That they're going to be a nightmare for just about everybody. <laughs> but um, but overall, I I was impressed with the fact that Brennan. I tell you what, Florida State finally listened to you. Jordan Travis didn't run a run very well at all in very limited times. So, but I would say that, that it definitely made their offense even more predictable than if he was running the ball more. So, I mean, it's a you know it's a give and take. You protect the quarterback, you keep him healthy for longer if he's not running around like a chicken with his head cut off. But the same token, you kind of lost out on your your running game. Uh, the, the questions on your running game. So, I mean, with that being said, I, I like what Florida State did. And at the end, of, end of the end of the day, I think they still outplayed Clemson. Not by much, but they did outplay him. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hear you. I got to say, though, on the a week after 9-11 anniversary, you drop in the, the Twin Towers reference. Pretty savage, my friend. <laughs> oh, man. All, all joking aside, yeah, they're, they're huge, man. They're, they're just 
great receivers out there. And real quick, uh, before we move on, Florida State's schedule, to me, has gotten seems a little bit harder from when we looked at it. I don't think anybody was really expecting Duke to, to be as good as they are. Um, but they've got a really good quarterback. Syracuse is a sneaky team in the ACC. Watch out for them. So Florida State's got Syracuse, Duke. They still have to play Miami, which they look good. But at the same time, I don't. I still don't know about them. And then a Florida team at the end. Uh, so I don't know. Clemson still got some games ahead of them too. South Carolina, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Miami, Syracuse next week. So watch out, don't man. Forget it, about UNA. Could, don't forget about UNA. You never hey, know. That's right. Roar <laughs> Lions, baby. UNA. If they do it, oh, baby. You'll never hear the end of it from the, from the UNA alum. Uh, either way, we're going to drive on, though, guys. Uh, enough talking about them. The big game of the weekend. Everybody tune into this one. Ohio State at Notre Dame. Final score, Ohio State 17. Notre Dame 14. And before we get into the the controversy at the end, we see that it was a game of scheme uh, for Notre Dame. When you look at it, I I was really expecting them to let Sam Hartman just try to air it out. Yeah, they're going to lean on the run because they still have their identity. But you bring in a quarterback like Sam Hartman to chuck the football because that's what he's really good at. Play action passes sending that thing downfield. They didn't really do it that much. OSU, on the other hand, they aired it out. That was their game plan. We're going we're gonna to just chuck it up and, you know, and use these elite receivers that they have. But they did also get some gash run. Game, run. Uh, Henderson had, I think, over 100 yards rushing, so he had a really good game. He was getting like eight yards of carry. So they're gash plays. Soften them up with the pass, just keep passing it, and then you gash them. Uh, Notre Dame, the question I have for them is a, a lack of a number two wide receiver. I don't think they have the wide receivers uh, to help out Sam Hartman. Maybe they do. Maybe they're just not you know, willing to throw it like, like that, but I, I, you got to find somebody else to throw it to uh, if you're Notre Dame. But, guys, obviously the controversy at the end of this one, I'll let you guys get into it because it, it's frustrating. I'll just reiterate what you said about not letting Hartman air it out. I fully expected that. I figured that would be the game plan. Come in, throw it all over, and you know, let the guy do what he's bred to do. And they didn't do that. They was real conservative with play calling. And I didn't think they needed to be. I think they had plenty of opportunity to make big plays down the field and they didn't really give themselves the opportunity to do it. But I would flip it to their defense. They held the receivers for Ohio State at bay. I know they got gashed a couple times, and they did give up some big plays, especially when it mattered at the end of the game. But for the most part, for these two receivers of Ohio State that are projected to both go in like the top 20 of the draft, I felt like Notre Dame held them pretty well and – they had McCord. He hit some big passes, like I said, but for the most part, they held him at bay. The offensive line was struggling a little bit, keeping Notre Dame's pass rush, you know, contained. And but the end of the game, man, it was it was like watching Alabama play, man. 
it was the most typical Alabama thing. You hold somebody to a third down. They get the penalty. It's third and 19 with, what, 11 seconds left. You give up the bomb to the goal line. Knowing what they're going to do, you know they're going to the end zone with 10 seconds left. You know it's coming. And you let them come down with the ball. There should have been five men lined up on the goal line. There should have been two guys pass rushing. I didn't understand the defensive play call there, whatever, to each his own. But then they're on the two-yard line. You have ten men on the field. I think they – I don't know if that's what they called the timeout for originally or if they just didn't like the way Ohio State was aligning. But they call the timeout and then still run ten men back on the field. I don't know. I don't know what – I don't have words for it. But that cost them the game. You know, you can't – you hate to bring it down to one specific thing that lost you a game because it never should come down to one mistake losing a game for you. In reality, the big pass on third and 19 probably is what cost the game. But – and I think me and you talked about it, Brendan. His knee was down an inch before – I mean, the ball had inched over right as the right knee touched. It was a touchdown. But if there was another man on that line, would it have happened? We'll never know because they had 10 out there. But Ohio State, they found a way to do it. As much as you don't want to, you have to give them the credit. They went into Notre Dame, and they walked out with the W. Did they deserve the W? I don't know. I felt like Notre Dame outplayed them for the most part, but they got the W nonetheless. They won the game. You got to give it to them. No, I don't. <laughs> that's that's the incorrect statement. I don't got to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm not going to give them any credit because I thought their quarterback was pedestrian. I thought their offense was plain Jane at best. And I, for once in my life, I will say that Notre Dame played a great game. And the coach that is on the sidelines this year should not be the coach on the sidelines next year because of that one coaching error in this game. Because regardless of what anyone says, these are young men, kids, some might say, but they're young men who are are who are looking to this the coaching staff to guide them and put them in the best position to win. And that clearly didn't happen. Like Blake said, coming out of a timeout, how in God's green earth do you not make sure that you have everyone on the field that you need to be have on the field? Like what? Are you kidding me? That is the biggest blunder I've seen by the by a division big time program coaching staff. Blake, you made a mention of this is the that was the most Alabama thing to have happened. Well, I'll say that is the most unlikely thing that Alabama would do is have a coaching blunder of that sort. There would there's no way that Nick Saban would ever allow that to happen unless he didn't see it. But that's well look. I'm not going to get into an argument about what Alabama would or wouldn't do. I'm just telling you that there is no way 
that that would happen in a big game like this. Because don't interrupt me, mofo. Turn your mic back off. <laughs> I'm on my soapbox. You got to let me have it. But no, anyway, uh, Blake was right, though. Notre Dame outplayed him. Ohio State doesn't deserve the Dude, credit. Is- <laughs> and Ryan Day, go ahead and never speak again, please. I've never seen Trevor so mad. He's got a vein popping out of his neck. He's punching his mic. I thought his name was Kyle for a minute. But I just wanted to point out Alabama did lose to Auburn by almost the exact same scenario when they had Bo Nix over a punt. They come out in a formation. It confused us. And we had too many men on the field. And lost the game over it because we didn't get the ball back. It gave him a first down, but no, not to interrupt you or anything. I just wanted you to calm down before you had a stroke. Cause I seen that neck vein popping. <laughs> it was throbbing and kind of worried me. And then you punched your mic. Like I've never seen Trevor so mad over a uh, Notre Dame. Kind of scary. Yeah. It's kind of scary for me too, to be this passionate about Notre Dame. when <laughs> I've never been that way before. But when it comes to Ohio State, I like I'm just so tired of see, seeing everybody like slobbing on the knob of Ohio State. Like I'm so freaking over that crap. That's so ridiculous. I just hope you I, know I'm over it already. I don't want you to ever become an athletic director somewhere because you just said fire this coach over a ten man penalty. Or it wasn't even a penalty, but having ten men on the field, fire the coach, get him out of here. Get Absolutely. Here. You can't have that. You can't have that. On those big games, seriously, after a timeout, if you if that happens, you're done. Sorry. You just blew, you literally blew Notre Dame's chances of going to a national championship right there. Because because they don't they aren't a part of a real conference. Agreed. That's fair. No, Notre Dame needs to join a conference. I don't care what anybody says. They deserve to be in a conference. And if they don't, they deserve to not be in the playoffs. I don't care. Uh, another thing about Freeman is, one, they had the 10 men out there on the first pass that they, they tried to run at the goal line. There was 10 men on the field then. And then they called a timeout. And then – or was let's see, they called a timeout, they threw the pass, and then they ran it, right? I can't remember exactly how it was, but there was also a, a substitution. So they could have substituted. They had every opportunity to substitute. They didn't do it. Coaching blunder blew this game for them. Uh, they got too conservative on the last uh, you know, drive on offense. They they got too cute trying to throw a screen pass. Just just bad execution at the end of the game. And I'll say he probably should have been fired last year when they lost to Marshall, but, you know, we're not going to get into it too much. Uh, Notre Dame, I'm tired of them. That I, I was hoping for a meteor strike, personally. It didn't happen. Um, we'll, we'll see what, what goes forward. Maybe I'll pray a little harder for it next time. Joking aside, of course, they're great people. They're, there's great people all over. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Either way, we're going to go on, guys. We've got a lot of other games to talk about. We're going to kind of go through speed here. On some of them. Some of them we need to talk about. Other ones, not so much. Iowa, Penn State, that's one of those games. I got nothing to talk about. Iowa, we knew they were trash. We knew their offense was pedestrian. One of my favorite new words uh, that we're going to keep saying just because it does trigger some folks. And we love you who and you know who we're talking about. <laughs> uh, 
but Iowa, you're trash. You don't belong. Uh, fire your coach. Fire your offensive coordinator, Cade McNamara. Why did you transfer to that dumpster fire of a program? I don't know. And you've tarnished your name along the way. Well done. Um, same with Eric Gall. Get him out. Other side of the wall for you. Next one up, uh, unless you guys got something to say about Penn State, Iowa. No? All right. I didn't think so. We're going to go on to Ole Miss and Bama because this one was a good game to start. Uh, it, it was one that I think, like I said, I told Blake, Ole Miss, I think, had the opportunities to get a good lead and uh, set the tone, but they just could not get anything going on offense. I felt that same way about them when they played Tulane, and Tulane didn't even have their best or their, their best player in their quarterback, like Pratt. So, uh, I don't know. Ole Miss, they, they, they're all right. But Bama's defense is, I think, again, the star of the show. They're good. We know they're good. They've got talent everywhere. They did what they needed to do with, with old Milrow, old Blind Eyes. Uh, I, I'm still worried about Bama moving forward, but – uh, it, it all hinges on that Bama defense keeping them in the games. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of fans saying it's growing pains. He'll grow throughout the season. He'll get better. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's still only got two games under his belt. Well, you know, that's what the offseason's for. That's when you're growing pains. It'd be one thing if he come off the bench in the first game of the season and hadn't played a down of college football, but he's been with Nick Saban. He's been with his team. He knows the expectations, and he has not made the improvements. And I keep seeing, well, he did much better this game. He did much better in the second half. He looked much better in the second half because he didn't have the football. We ran the ball in the second half. Alabama as a team looked better because we did not use Jalen Milrow as the star of the team. Running the football, we got Jason McClellan and Roy Dell going, and we was able to put some points on the board and have some sustained drives. Prior to that, we wasn't having that. Milro to me, still looked lackluster, very inaccurate, not able to read downfield. He missed two open receivers. He had some overthrows, some underthrows. But, oh, he hit two good passes. We're saved. Thank God. We finally – Milro finally found it because he, out of the, what, 19 passes he threw, he hit one in stride. Wow, thank God. I still am worried about Alabama's offense. I don't think we've got it unless something – drastic happens and he just suddenly it clicks with him like he sits down or he hits his head and then like all of a sudden develops Peyton Manning syndrome and just knows how to be a quarterback I don't see it happening I I hate to say it and I like the guy I think he's a great athlete he's very fast and if we would use him in a system that used his abilities we would probably be okay if we ran like a 2011 Auburn offense or uh, the year they had Nick Marshall I think 2013 yeah, 2013, running like a Gus Malzahn RPO run-based, run-first style spread option attack. <clears throat> I think that would be very good for Alabama, but I understand you can't just bring in a new coordinator with a bunch of new faces on a team and then just completely change your scheme of attack in the middle of the season. I'm, that's a recipe for disaster in and of itself. But you can't tell me that coming into the season that they did not see – where the inconsistencies were with Jalen Milrow because we, we were still deciding the quarterback in week three. So they knew these problems were there. I don't feel that 
I don't feel like effort was put in on the coaching side of Alabama to fix these problems, and now we're just kind of stuck with them. And you're going to be hearing in week six and then in week seven, oh, he's growing. We're still looking for an identity. We've got a lot of work to do and a lot of work to do fast, or I still see us losing four to five games if we don't get it together. Yeah, and I'm going to use the word. Milro is pedestrian. <laughs> oh, man. He's not pedestrian. He is crossing the street and getting plowed by a car because he didn't look up at the fucking crosswalk to see that it wasn't time to walk. Well, all right then. The F-bomb has reared its ugly head. <laughs> it's been a few shows, baby. It was bound to happen on this one. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Deal with it. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this game was actually kind of hard for me to watch, to be perfectly honest with you. This is – I was expecting a little bit more from both teams and didn't really get it either way. Uh, Ole Miss disappointed me on their offensive uh, production. Is there a way to turn off Blake's Blake's uh, camera, like from my end, so I don't have to look at his face? I, I think that's, that's why we do the show. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, carry on, uh, carry on. I, I like this. Yeah. All right, we're gonna just keep on keep on rolling with it. Anyway. Uh, no, Ole Miss and Alabama. It's been a while since I've said this. Uh, both of their both of those teams are not going to be sniffing uh, conference championships at all this year. I, I don't think that Alabama's got it. Like Blake said, their defense is elite. There's no question about it. They stood on their head in that game, and I, I give them all the props in the world for it. And their defense is going to be the reason that they're going to be in most games. But on the flip side of that coin, their offense is going to be the reason that they blow most of those close games. <clears throat> and that that's just it. Is Milrow's going to do turnovers. He's going to laser focus on one, on one receiver and throw the ball to that one receiver, and everybody's going to know where it's going, including the people in the stands. So this is a very disappointing game. I thought Alabama – would have separated themselves a little bit more. But on the other hand, I picked Ole Miss to beat them by 14. So there was a big disappointment on my end too. So there that is. At least you called yourself out on that. I mean, hey, good props to you, buddy. Good job. Uh, looking real quick at Bama's schedule, they got Mississippi State next week. I don't think it's going to be a problem unless Mississippi figures out how to run an offense. Uh, then you got Texas A&M. That's going to be a dangerous one. Arkansas, we're about to talk about them next. Then you got the battle of the Milton Milrow. Which quarterback can learn how to throw a football and and how to uh, read a defense? I can't wait to watch that one. That one <laughs> picks, picks galore. I, I don't really know. Uh, but, yeah, they, Bama's got some games coming up, so they better figure it out quick on offense. Defense will save them a lot, though. Moving on, though, we, next one, we've got Arkansas-LSU, and that was a really good game. Uh, back and forth, constant battle, and K.J. Jefferson had a really good 
moments, had really good moments in the game, but he's still two interceptions. He, he's been doing this. And for we mentioned it last episode, for a veteran like him, he keeps making these mistakes and he's putting the ball in dangerous positions to get these picks. And if he cleans that up, Arkansas is going to be an even more dangerous team. But LSU found a way to win, 34-31. Uh, they got the run game going, LSU did. I know we've mentioned, you know, running quarterbacks, and uh, this is one of the teams that we've talked about with uh, Daniels being their main runner at times. You know, it, he's used his leg a lot because he has to. They hadn't been able to get a ground game going until this game. They finally got some help from other places. So uh, props to LSU on that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm more uh, concerned for Arkansas and their turnovers than I am for LSU. That's a that's a tough game to play, Arkansas. It always is. Uh, they Arkansas is just one of those danger teams. I don't know what it is about them, but they find a way. Guys, what's your thoughts on this one? Not really much bad about it. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, it's hard to be the player that sort of cost the game, <clears throat> but also the player that kept you in the game. Because <clears throat> he, you know, he did fight to get him back in it, and he kept him in it. And they had a chance to win it there at the end, even. The defense just couldn't get the hold they needed at the end. But me and the wife watched that game. We were rooting for Arkansas, hoping they would pull it through. And it just, they didn't have enough there at the end, just didn't have enough time. And using those timeouts so early in the second half ended up hurting them because if they had have had all three there at the end, they probably have the ball with a minute and a half left and a chance to at least go down the score, the field and score. I also did, though, at the end kind of question, I would have let them go ahead and score right there on the three-yard line Give yourself 50 seconds because you know they're about to run the clock out and kick the field goal. So why not just go ahead and let them score and give your offense a chance to go down and tie the game to take it to overtime? I know you don't ever want to say let the other team score, but sometimes it makes more sense when you know you're not going to stop them because the clock was in LSU's favor there. That's what I would have done, especially on NCAA 14. Analytics, man. Analytics. (laughs) Trevor, go ahead. I kind of defer to you guys on this one. I didn't get a chance to watch this one too much, but uh, the few few highlights I did see is that uh, I, I am happy that LSU is kind of bringing down Jaden Daniels' attempts a little bit, <laughs> not much, but a little bit. And it is nice to see that their run, their Logan Diggs, kind of finally had a game where he was making a making an impact at six point nine yards of carry. So there's that. I mean, Jaden Jaden Daniels. Sorry, I think I said Jordan, but Jaden Daniels, twenty for twenty nine, three hundred twenty yards, four TDs, and one interception. Can't ask him to do much more than that. That'll get you a win all most majority of the time. Uh, so yeah, uh, good win by LSU. Good hard, hard fought loss, unfortunately for Arkansas, but uh, that's. <laughs> Uh, that's what we kind of come to expect from Arkansas. Is they play hard fought games. They just don't. They're they just don't always come out with the win. Usually, yeah, they they don't know how to finish. They they need to go to class for that one. Uh, this this is another one though that kind of shows about the SEC 
West is it's wide open. It feels like I don't think Ole Miss is going to be in that conversation anymore. Arkansas still can be that danger team. LSU, I they obviously are. Bama's still in it. Texas A and M is still in it, even though they lost to Miami. They're still in it. They've got, especially I, I know Wigman got hurt. I don't know the extent of that injury. I haven't looked back into it. Um, but if he's in, I mean, full go. And they still found a way to to blow Auburn out. Uh, it, it, that really wasn't a contest to me. Uh, but, yeah, SEC West, they're wide open. Arkansas, watch out for them. They, they'll cause trouble. I don't know if they'll be able to finish these games like they historically <laughs> don't do. Next up, another game that we don't really need to talk about, but I just want to point out uh, Boston College and Louisville. High scoring game, fifty six to twenty eight, Louisville, and it wasn't really anything that Boston College did wrong, like turnovers wise, or they just couldn't convert. They could not convert on downs, and Louisville was scored on damn near every drive. Uh, Castellanos had a good game, eighteen of twenty one for three hundred eighty eight yards, or excuse me, that was Plummer had that that stat line, but Castellanos didn't have a bad game. Uh, let me pull it up real quick because I wrote it down wrong. Stand by. Yeah, so 17 of 33 for 265 and three touchdowns. So, yeah, he had a good game. You're, when you're talking touchdown ratio, QBR was rough uh, with the, you know, the passer rating, but still not bad game. They just could not convert on their third downs. They had four downs attempts they couldn't get. Uh, six of 14 on third down, one of four on fourth down, seven penalties for 61 yards. So Boston College, not bad. They just couldn't get it done. So Louisville, good good for you, 56 points. Plummer had a really good game. Next one up that was really fun, uh, BYU, Kansas. My fate is say fun. I love seeing the uniform combos. I know I said it earlier. It's just a fun game. I don't know. I like the matchup. 38-27. Uh, to 27. And this was one, 17-14, BYU started off. But at the, th- the beginning of the third quarter, Slovis rolled out, threw a horrible across the body, back into the middle of the field, tip ball, pick six. And, you know, after that, it, it was all Kansas. BYU just could not get back into this game. Uh, Kansas, uh, they, they stifled the BYU run game. They only had nine yards on the ground, BYU did. They had seven sacks, uh, excuse me, three sacks, seven tackles for loss. Slovis, he had 50 passes this game. I mean, this dude is just chucking it up there, trying to <laughs> trying to get anything going for BYU. So BYU's got to figure out that run game. Guys, anything on the Kansas-BYU uh, game? No, I'll say. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I am super excited about Kansas and making me look really good about picking them as a dark horse. <laughs> I am super excited about that. Jalen Daniels, I mean, his stat line is the most on. I don't even know the word I'm looking for here. Uh, unimpressive stat line I've seen out of a quarterback this year. Um, he was very accurate, 14 and 19 for 130 yards <laughs> and three touchdowns. I'm just, it's my lord. Like, but hey, Kansas won. I'm happy about it. I'm, I think that they are going to do good things here in the Big 12. I think they're going to still keep surprising people and climbing up that top 25 rank. Yeah, th- this is a game for Kansas that was really. 
I, I think scheme wise, they they had the drawn up plan and they ran with it. Uh, the the pick six certainly helps. You know, they had two they had two interceptions on the day, and that helps. But getting to run, they had two hundred twenty one yards on the ground. So I mean, anytime you can control the clock like that, especially with this new running clock rule that we have, where you know it doesn't stop on first down, that knocks off a decent chunk. I, I think they're talking average is about nine plays. Some teams it's going to be even more than that, especially if you're run heavy and you're you're control the clock type of team. So it, it can work. It can also hurt you if if you're you know mess around and let a team hang around for long, but. I don't know. I, I'm good on Kansas. I think they had a good game plan. Finally, Rutgers, Michigan. This one, not much to talk about Rutgers wise. They they had the first you know drive. They they went down the field and you know Michigan had a cornerback slip and they busted the coverage up the middle and scored a touchdown. Everybody's like, oh my god, the Rutgers is gonna win. No, they're not. No, Michigan's defense is too good for that. They locked it down. They didn't score again the entire game. Michigan got into that run mode like they do. And this is one where Jim Harbaugh is that way. He's very content to just run the football. They're snapping the ball, you know, in the second quarter, first quarter with five seconds left on the play clock. They're running the clock the whole dang game because he's very staunch believer in time of possession. Yeah, he's other analytics and stuff, but time of possession is huge to Jim. And when you got Blake, Blake Korn back there and also J.J. with his running ability, you can do that. And that's what they did. Uh, JJ had a fine game recovering after that that game against uh, Bowling Green, where he really tried to force a lot of passes. So he started off a little shaky. I think he was just kind of getting back in the groove of trying to get himself, you know, where he needs to be mentally. But they finished strong, finished fine. Two hundred yards on the um, on the ground for Michigan. We had uh, Michigan had pick six. Uh, and talking about time of possession, Michigan had it for thirty six minutes, and Rutgers had it for twenty four. And Rutgers was one where they were down, but they just kept running the ball. Like they were trying to <laughs> trying to out physical Michigan. I, that's not going to happen, uh, especially as Rutgers. Sorry, guys. Learn to throw it a little bit more. What, what's your takes on this one? I'll just say Michigan looked good. They they looked good up front. They Their defense, as expected. I know it was Rutgers, but they're still a decent team. And Michigan did what Michigan should have done. And I still got Michigan in my top four. I still think they're a top team in the country. Yeah, I, I just with Michigan's offense, while I think it does, it's working the way they have it running right now. It's just I'd really like to see Edwards in a in a a multi use role. Have Blake Corum and Edwards out on the field at the same time, majority of the time. Like, I don't know. I, that's why I'd like to see. I'd like to see Edwards get a little more playing time over just as much as Corum do a 50 50 split, but Corum's a more physical back out of the two. And I, I understand why they're doing it because it's back to old school Michigan football. And I'm okay with it. But Edwards is a top tier talent. He's got really good speed. He, can definitely be a matchup nightmare if you can get a linebacker on him because he can run away from most of these linebackers. He has that ability. We saw that last year with his explosive speed running away from, well, all of the Ohio State defense. 
So that was my biggest problem with the game. Other than that, I thought JJ did a good job of not making the mistakes. Um, I thought he didn't look very crisp early on. I mean, the first first half for me wasn't, I don't know, wasn't what I expected it to be. I didn't expect Rutgers to be given as much pushback as they did, but uh, in the end, uh, we wore them down, and or Michigan wore them down, and uh, you know finished them finished, finished them off fairly efficiently. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, that that's what Michigan does. You know, they lean on that defense. Because they can. They know how to. Uh, they've got the players to do it. They're getting players back from injury. Uh, and that's been the perk of having a, a weaker schedule this year. Um, I know certain coaches are talking about Michigan's schedule. Urban Meyer, for one, uh, talking about Michigan's schedule. Like, Look at what Michigan's played prior to this season and last season and what they have scheduled moving ahead. I don't want to hear it. Uh you know, it's not like we're playing FCS teams in week 14 of the season, like a lot of teams do. But Rutgers, they couldn't finish on the, uh, against our defense. It was 3-10 and 10 of third on third down, 0 for 3 on fourth down, and that was it. That's the story of the game. They could not do it on offense. Boys, moving forward here, we've got a week five slate. That was all the big games that we talked about, you know, that we've kind of covered there were some other good games out there, definitely. Uh, if you guys got other thoughts on them, let me know. Uh, but right now, I think we'd go ahead and start talking about week five because it's got we've got a pretty decent slate coming up too, and they're sneaky games. And even Thursday and Friday it has some good ones. Yeah, we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll get into that one sec. Uh, hold on, let me reset. See, yeah. Okay, yeah, so week five, we got a couple of games coming up for Thursday. Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, uh, Temple at uh, Tulsa, and then we've got Jackson State at Sam Houston State. So not a bad little slate for Thursday. And then Friday, we've got some really good ones, I think. Louisville and NC State, that's a fun game to me. Uh, And then we got a big one, Utah versus Oregon State, Friday night. That's going to be a fun one. I don't – we still don't know about Cam Rising, obviously. We'll see what happens. I, I'm kind of leaning Oregon State right now, though, uh, just because that Utah offense scares me. Louisiana Tech, UTEPs, and then Cincinnati, BYU is another game for Friday night. And, uh, guys, before we fa- we close out here, we're going to cycle back to our picks. We've also got a new segment that we're, we're doing called Kicking It Up a Notch. And that's where we give you our player of the week and our team of the week. And, of course, final thoughts from the crew. Uh, So let me get back to our picks because, you know, what do they call me? The comeback kid. I just had, you know, people are saying it. I'm hearing it all over town. I had a great week. I don't know. I went eight and two. You guys, you bums went seven and three. I mean, what's up with that? You know, I'm I'm closing the gap, closing wit. So... (laughs) I went eight and two. Trevor seven and three. Blake seven and three. We all bullied our our 
gridlock of the week. That that didn't happen. We're we're not doing too hot there, guys, on our gridlocks. So please, everybody who listens, don't take our betting advice. Uh, <laughs> maybe next year, but right now, I wouldn't take our betting advice. Uh, guys, any any thoughts on on our picks from last week? I know Blake had the the Rutgers one. Regretting it desperately right now. What's up? Overall, for us. Oh, sorry. Say that again. Your mic cut out. What is our overall pick records? Yes. So my bad. Let me let me hit that real quick. I am nineteen and twelve. Trevor is twenty and eleven. Blake is twenty one and ten. So we're all we're all very close. Well, I was just gonna point out. I'm not regretting anything because I'm still in the lead. That's very true. Your bold, bold moves. I like it. They Four call you favors the bold. Some say they call you the comeback kid. They call me the kid that doesn't have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I, you know, self-anointed comeback kid. Nobody's really saying that to me around town, but uh, I, I hear that people are actually starting to talk about it. I don't know. Um, Trevor, help me out here. <laughs> There's no hope for you. <laughs> oh man! Tag him and tag him. Oh, he's done. Kid, he's boy. done. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I don't know, man. My picks. I mean, I I went Uber with my gridiron. I went Uber crazy trying to get you to. Will UTSA to do the upset? So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But um, I was disappointed. I was hoping UTSA would uh, pull it out. <sighs> what? But I'm I'm okay with my picks. I'm not regretting my picks by any means. The UTSA pick. I wish I could have picked a better gridiron lock. But whatever, <laughs> gridlock. I mean. Uh, yeah. But other than that. I'm looking forward to week five and uh, pulling ahead of Blake. Yeah, that was very bold, man. I, I respect it, though. I respect it. I was hoping that the, the Roadrunners would do something. Um, they've lost that love and feeling, though, boys. I'm sorry to say it. Uh, yeah, so, that, that, again, those were our picks. We, we had a pretty good week in our picks, so take those. Don't do our gridlocks, though, guys, because we're, we're off on that big time. Now for our final segment, Blake thought of this. I I like it. The kicking it up a notch. Hashtag it if you can. Uh, we're doing Player of the Weeks. And this week, I th- it was unanimous. We, we really like Cam Ward. This guy is a hell of a player. Go watch him. And again, his stat line from earlier, just lighten it up. He did it last week, too, against Wisconsin. Or the, the week before against Wisconsin. Uh, team, we I think we settled on Oregon just because they shot down the Cinderella story. Call us what you will, <laughs> but it's just nice to see it done. I, you know, there I haven't heard anything about it today. It's a it's a Christmas miracle, I, and I like Prime. You know, I I like Colorado as a team, but just the story needed to die. It needed to. Guys, what's your thoughts on on Player of the Week and Team of the Week? I mean, both of them are. Uh, Cam Ward, it was an easy pick. There really, there wasn't anybody else that stood out like he did. I mean, there was other players that stood out, but not in the fashion that he did. But then Oregon, 
just finally someone shutting up ESPN. I was so sick of hearing about it. I mean, every station, Colorado, 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 it gets old so fast. And I'm like you, you got to give props to Coach Prime. He brought attention to the program. He got players in the program. And he started 3-0 and from a team that didn't win a single game last year. But you can't really latch to that because – there's not really any players from last year that didn't win a game left on the team anyways. He brought in a whole new unit, whole new staff. Every It's it's a complete rebuild of the program. But it, it's a song that I was tired of hearing, and uh, most people are. Most people are tired of hearing about it, but unfortunately, even on social media, they are still preaching that Colorado's got these elite players that – Oh, Travis Hunter's the best player in the country, and Shadur Sanders is a top five quarterback and will be drafted by the Buccaneers. What? <laughs> Seriously, thank you, Oregon and Bo Nix, for just tearing them to shreds. I appreciate you so much, and for the first time in my life, I will be rooting for USC next week. So thank you. Ah, <laughs> I digress. No, the game was great. I completely agree with Cam. Well, okay, I fifty percent agree with Cam Ward because in my it, I, I put a put a a vote in for Bo Nix because I thought he had an amazing game. Without him, Oregon would not be doing what they're doing. But Oregon overall, as the team, I think is by and large the best pick because they're the mo- they played the most complete game. In my in my opinion, on the defensive side of the ball, they shut down an offense that was putting up big numbers. So, to do that, regardless of what you think of Colorado, is impressive. To shut them down and only only allow a touchdown in the fourth quarter, with more than likely your most of your second string defense playing at that point. I think is impressive. And Cam Ward is just a walking, flipping highlight reel. The guy is amazing. Like we've said before earlier in just a few minutes, a minute ago, if you haven't seen the guy play, just go watch some of the highlight reels from this past week and the week before. The guy's just putting up numbers, and he's, he's doing great things, bringing attention to Washington State, which is deservedly so. They are playing good ball. But, yeah. That that that's I think both of our both of these picks are uh, right on point with the way the weekend went. Yeah, so that's again our kicking it up a notch, you know, team player of the week, team of the week, and uh, really I, I hope that Cam Ward and Washington State can find a home moving forward. I, the Pack Two isn't sustainable unless they find a way to merge, but. For this last show, this last year, I hope they, I hope they went out, man. I really do. I'm rooting for them. I know I haven't picked them in these games because you know I just, you know, I, I felt confident in other spots. But I, I, I like Washington State a lot, and I, I hope they went out. I hope they win the Pac-12. I hope they go to the college football playoff, and I hope they lose to Michigan in the national title like they did in 1997. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to mention that. But either way. Great week, guys. We had wonderful games. Next week, we've got really good ones, especially Friday. What a, what a slate for a week a weeknight. You know, that's hell yeah. So, guys, make sure you guys tune in. 
probably dropping this episode. Tuesday, we're going to get another one on Wednesday recorded, and we'll cover the week five games. So thank you again for listening, all our loyal listeners out there. Uh, Barbara, we appreciate you always commenting. It means a lot to us, truly. Uh, you know, we, I know, I know how much you love sports. So thank you again. And guys, anything else before we call tonight? I just give a shout out to Barbara. Keep barbing. <laughs> we appreciate you, Barbara. You're awesome. And anyone else that listens, feel free to reach out to us. We are very, we will, we will respond to you. One of us will get, get back to you with any questions, uh, suggestions. We're always open to suggestions and anything you guys want to try and talk about, we will bring it up in the coming shows and reach out to us on all our social media platforms. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Yeah, thanks again, guys. Take care. Good night. God bless you. Go Blue. Roll Tide from Blake. Let's hear it. Roll Tide, baby. Roll Tide. All right. We'll see you guys.